Let's pray. Father, as we gather here to celebrate your harvest, we pray that your Holy Spirit might give us glad and thankful hearts for all the good gifts you have poured out upon us, your people. And now we pray that your Holy Spirit may bring to life your living word and, and let it fester in our hearts and minds as we gather in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, yesterday was uh, World Mental Health Day and that's such a pressing issue, isn't it, at this time? I was talking to a GP in the week who was saying that um, of all the issues that the world will face in the years to come, the greatest one is loneliness. Um, the greatest one is isolation. And so many lockdown stories are of people who have had to survive on their own with only occasional uh, phone calls. And it's having a real, real impact. I was talking to a father in the park who uh, has a son who's, um, I think he was about two or three, so about the same age as has Henry. Uh, and this, this father was describing how his son is, is used to holding back from people. You know how children are used to being passed about and, uh, and they, everyone's their friend who will play with them? Whereas this boy is growing up because of this pandemic in a world where he's afraid of people uh, and, and the threat they might pose him. And, and I think as we, go, as we go forward, one of the things that as, as the Christian church we have to be really aware of is, is our part in helping people with their well-being, our part in making sure that people are not left alone, our part in making sure that, that people's mental health is attended to and, and, and speaking up for that. That's almost a tangent, but I just felt it was really important to recognise that mental health is going to be such, is going to be the issue that defines um, society over the next few years at least. So let's dive into Mark chapter 6 which is the passage that Steve read to us. The apostles have gathered around Jesus. Now Mark is probably just making a physical statement but there's, there's something about the church as the community of disciples which is about gathering around Jesus, about constantly focusing, centering our life on the teachings, on the person, on the character of Jesus because there are so many other influences that could win our attention and therefore influence our attitudes, our character and our choices in life. But right here at the start of Mark 6 we're told that the disciples gathered around Jesus and they told him, the disciples, all that they had done and taught and he said to them, come away and rest a while. The place of solitude can fill us up again to bear the fruits of the Spirit that we read in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, selflessness and goodwill. Probably left out a couple there but that's most of them. And ironically at the start of this pandemic this year I was driving down to North Devon um, for a week's retreat at Lee Abbey and, and I was in my head I was overdue that retreat. I was I've been looking forward to it um, there's no mobile signal down at Lee Abbey so it's going to be a week with books and with God and 
and the community in North Devon and it was going to be wonderful and so I drove the um, I think it was about four and a half five hours um, from uh, Ringwood to Linton in North Devon got there was warmly welcomed settled into my room um, and was starting to relax into the week-long retreat looking forward to good food that evening and fellowship and then just before tea the alarm bell started to ring as they started to gather us um, in in the um, in the octangular lounge for those of you who know uh, Lee Abbey and they told us of the Prime Minister's announcement that afternoon and so that evening I drove all the way from Linton to to Ringwood back and never quite got the retreat but there's something in the pattern of Jesus's life which is about work and rest held in equal value and equal balance so working hard using the gifts that God has given us um, in all the ways that we can, but then resting hard as well, taking the time out to be on retreat. And Jesus teaches us that it's in that place of retreat or solitude, whatever that may look like for you, that we find our, our sort of tank of water, if you like, rising again, and we find ourselves able to enter the fray of life once more. Jesus saw the crowds in Mark 6 and he had compassion on them. Miracles in the gospel are driven by compassion. They are Jesus's response to human need. And there we see what Jesus has that no one else can offer. Throughout, throughout the gospels, on the one hand, we see people present Jesus with a range of everyday, very ordinary needs like food for hunger, healing for sickness, peace and comfort in bereavement. Jesus transforms everyday human experiences in, by his supernatural powers. And so as we think about harvest, we think about uh, the God who recognises our need for food and creates the world for us to enjoy. And as part of that, to be fed. What perhaps we don't fully realise is that the world is not ordinary. The living world as God created it is a miracle. We're standing in and part of a miracle. This world is not ordinary. The way plants grow, wildlife adapts to their habitats. The food chain sustains human and animal kind. There is nothing ordinary about what Martin and Hallam shared of the environment around us. All creation, including the harvest, is a miracle that you and I are a part of. So just take that in for a moment. The, the soil and the grass that you are sitting on is part of God's miracle. The trees and the beauty of the estate that we can see around us is part of God's miracle. The birdsong, which I've lost sight of in my ears but was here earlier, is part of God's miracle. You are standing on and living in one of the great miracles of life. And this is the point that Jesus is making in Mark 6. In fact, this part of Mark 6 is the feeding of the 5,000, something which will be familiar to most of us. It's one of the miracles which is so significant it appears in all four Gospels. No one chooses to leave this out. So let's dive in. First point, 
Mark VI is a classic tale of two halves, or in this case, Mark VI is a tale of two dinners, the, which is a glorious concept to me. The first comes about in the first half of this chapter. King Herod is thrown a dinner, and all the great and the good are there, officials, military commanders, and the like. The food is probably top-notch, but here's the thing. Herod uh, gives his uh, daughter the opportunity to ask for everything because this banquet was being thrown in her honour. And so the daughter goes and asks the mother's advice as to what, um, as to what she should ask of her father. And her mother, who's been affronted um, or taken offence at John the Baptist, asks for John the baptizer's head on a plate. And so the daughter goes off and says to the father, give me the head of John the Baptist. And Herod obliges. Here's the point I want you to note. Herod's dinner of the great and the good ends in death. So cue the second dinner in the second half of Mark 6. Here the host is Jesus. And if you want a spoiler alert, cover your ears now. This dinner, in contrast to Herod's, ends very differently. It all takes place in the evening, after a busy day of Jesus teaching his disciples and the crowds. People are hungry, and the disciples suggest that Jesus sends the crowds away to feed themselves. Now, given that they had no food, this sounds like a really reasonable suggestion. But the disciples are operating out of the place of human wisdom. And here's, a, here's an application point for our lives. Human wisdom only takes us so far. And that's not a derogatory comment at all, because God is the creator of our life and our being. He's the creator of our minds and the wisdom that we have. So, so wisdom is part of God's gift to us. So I don't say this in a derogatory way, but human wisdom only takes us so far. But faith takes us all the way into what God has for us. Human wisdom only takes us so far, but faith takes us all the way into what God has for us. And the implication is that if we only make decisions out of human wisdom, we might well miss what God is doing in any given situation or challenge. And that's exactly the trap that the disciples fall into. Faced with the issue of the hungry crowd, they attempt to solve the problem of the crowd's hunger by sending them away into the neighbouring towns and villages to buy food. Just relying on human wisdom has cost the disciples sight of what God is doing. Faith is required and there's grounds here for informed faith because these Jewish disciples would have known the stories of their ancestors who in another remote place and time in the wilderness and in, in the desert wanderings uh, pleaded with God for food and God rained down manna in the wilderness. God has done this before and if, and if the disciples were approaching this not from the perspective of human wisdom but with this sight and the mind of faith they would have remembered what God has done in the past and they might have believed that God could do that same miracle again in their midst 
in the here and the now. Human wisdom only takes us so far. Faith takes us all the way. And if you want to start to build up this practice of living out of the mindset and, and the heart of faith, the way to do it is to journal. The way to do it is to keep a prayer journal and to note down your particular points for prayer, what's on your heart and the mind, the people who are of concern to you or the situations that you're facing. Jot them down on one half of the page and then on the other half of the page when you've been praying into them and you sense that God is speaking to you about that situation or that answers are coming, note those points down so that in years to come you can look back through this journal of challenging situations involving people or tasks that you faced and like the people of Israel in the desert you can look back and you can see God's handiwork at play in all of those challenges in all of those celebrations. Keeping a journal um, of your prayers is one of the greatest ways to start to build up an active awareness that God is working in our lives. And as we develop that awareness of how God is working, that then informs our faith in what becomes possible um, in, in God's timing. And I suppose, um, so back to the earlier spoiler alert, in this miracle, Jesus takes the ordinary and performs a miracle. He multiplies food and the crowds ate and were satisfied. Or in other words, with Herod, um, the banquet ended in the death of John the Baptist and his head being brought on a platter. In Jesus's miracle, we have people eating and satisfied. In other words, Jesus's miracle leads not to death, but to life in all its fullness. And I suppose Mark 6 and the feeding of the 5,000 gives us a basis on which to allow the miracles Jesus performs to inspire our own decision-making. Perhaps the greatest miracle of all being creation itself and harvest itself as part of that great miracle. In other words, as we consume food, as we walk in a new forest or on the Jurassic coast, we are reminded of the God of miracles and to approach the challenges we face in life, not through the lens of human wisdom, but through the eyes and the heart of faith. Amen.